Hello and welcome to Sustainable in the City, a podcast that tells inspiring stories of everyday city dwellers on a journey to a more sustainable life. I'm your host and novice sustainableite, Brooke. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's time for another episode. But first, I thought I would give a five-second update on my life, and all I'm going to say is, it's almost gardening season! I survived another winter, and I couldn't be more excited. But this year, since uh, we're going to have a little one during prime gardening season, Luke and I have kind of been debating what we want to do. So um, we have a little bit of a plan, but it just kind of depends on how much prep, to be honest, that we get done before this baby arrives. Um, But one of the things that we're kind of dabbling in besides growing some basic vegetables like we did last year uh, is actually doing a tea garden. So growing some plants that we can dry out their leaves and kind of explore the world of tea making, which I think could be a ton of fun. And some of those plants are a little less maintenance um, from a bug perspective and some of the (laughs) the things you got to do besides water them. So we'll see what happens, but I'll keep you guys updated now that we're actually in planning mode. Um, And the other thing that's cool is I actually had a neighbor of mine approach me just a few days ago and ask if I could teach her kind of what I've learned about gardening so far, but also that she would tend the garden if I helped her learn about the planting and that kind of stuff. So that might enhance our produce this year um, and also just be able to share, which is kind of what I enjoy about the process anyway. So yeah, gardening season, it's good times. All right, back to the episode today. So today I'm actually really excited that we are going to talk to John Shack about sustainable architecture. So he is the principal at Revolve and, you know, I kind of thought about this idea for this episode because I had heard some things about architecture um, in the world of sustainability and I, to be honest, I don't know anything about this topic. So uh, it's even more of a novice than I am <laughs> about normal things. This one I'm going in kind of blind. So I'm excited to see where our conversation takes us, but I do know that he primarily works in multifamily places, so a lot of apartment complexes, condos, things like that, and he lives in the Pacific Northwest, which is making some great strides at making life, uh, or the planet, I should say, more sustainable. So I'm excited to learn about that and eco-friendly things, but also I think it'll be interesting because, you know... Apartment life is a little different than home life, but I think you're going to learn tips no matter if you live in an apartment, in a house, in a box on the side of the road. Okay, maybe not a box, but um, if you're kind of living with your parents, for example, you could branch out into an apartment and here's some things that you might look for that you might not have ever thought of before. All right, I'll quit teasing the episode. It's going to be fun, even if you guys aren't interested in apartment complexes or how to make an energy efficient home. I hope that you find this podcast super interesting and that you learn a ton of stuff. So let's go and talk to John. Hey, John, thanks so much again for joining me today. Um, And I would love if you could kind of give us a little introduction, some of your background, what you do, who you are, you know, all that good stuff. Sure, sure. Um, So uh, I'm... Uh, I'm an architect. I own a firm in Seattle called Revolve, and we do design and real estate development. And so I came up doing 
architecture um, for the past, you know, 10 years previous to this career and wanted to move out and take more control of projects and introduce different design concepts and thoughts and basically, you know, try to build a better box um, for lack of a better phrase. And so uh, I, I met a partner who um, tackled a kind of a different portion of development. I uh, came from the finance world and we use our collective skill sets to um, do mostly uh, mixed use multifamily projects in, in the urban Seattle core. But uh, we've started moving into hotels and we've started moving to other cities um, like Boise. Um, and, you know, to bring it back to the topic today, one of our big focuses, um, uh, just to be responsible about what we do is try to, um, design and build as sustainably as possible, just to reduce the impact of our, of our buildings, uh, just on the built environment, but also the environment in general. I think that's great too, because, you know, I think a lot and especially some of the stuff I feel like we're going to talk about today is like, well, now that you have this building, how do you make it be better? But being able to do that from the ground up, I think is really important. And it's nice to know that, you know, people are out there actually thinking about that and moving towards that. I think that's a big, a big deal. So for sure. What are some, I guess, because I'm totally new to the architecture world, what are some differences just even in the planning of a building, for example, that might be different when you're thinking sustainably versus when you're just finding materials and you don't really have that forefront of thought? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, sustainable design at its core is just how do you use less energy um, is, 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 you know, in terms of um, how we think of building design. So just as kind of a, a big metric is that um, buildings, both residential and non-residential combined in the U.S., are responsible for about 40% of the energy use um, of total U.S. energy use. And so we as a segment of that population, um, we need to be you know, responsible that we're we're, we're starting from square one by reducing our impact, our effective impact of the, of the final product. So when we look at buildings, you know, we're, we're first looking at what we call passive strategies. Um, so certain things like, can we build, can we find a project that, because we also develop, you know, a lot of architects don't have this ability, but because we also develop, we have the ability to identify um, sites in our city that would be good for sustainable development and then also design those projects. So when we're first looking, is there, uh, you know, is this a, a place that's near public transportation or have great access to bike, pe- uh, um, uh, bike paths um, that people can bike to work or walk to work or take a bus to work. So you're just you know, first of all, you're reducing people's overall reliance on, 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 you know, private vehicles, which are pretty big emitters of, um, of carbon into the atmosphere. Um, but then we're also looking at, is this uh, a site that is underutilized? So adding 
density, you know, allows more people than to live uh, in a smaller footprint, which in itself becomes a, a quote unquote shared utility amongst all the residents. And again, then they can all participate in, in that use of public transportation or walking or biking. Um, and, you know, that's like a first thing. Then we start looking at other strategies. How do we orient the building? Um, so orienting the building in a manner to capture the most natural light. So of course, driving more natural light into your, into your building, uh, reduces the reliance on, on artificial light and therefore you're reducing your energy envelope. Um, is there ways that we can create cross ventilation into an apartment unit? Um, which is challenging, but we, we were able to do in our first project where we were able to um, provide, you know, double the amount of natural light and access to air than a lot of other apartment buildings by creating an open, open courtyard in the middle of our project. And so all of a sudden, apartments could be more um, used like homes where you could open a window on either side of the apartment and you can allow natural ventilation to flow through the apartment you can have windows on both sides so you're driving more natural light and again those two things are you know reduce the the heating load so you don't have a reliance on air conditioning and you're really you know increasing the amount of natural light again to just um uh, reduce the reliance on on lighting um furthermore then you can look at other strategies that again we've employed on this uh, project in our first project called Yard House, where we used external screening or shading um, to handle, uh, to again, reduce the amount of heat that, that enters into the structure before it gets there. So one, and it's a lot of these passive design features were, are just, you know, old as building itself, right? So a lot of these things that we employ on the passive side are, you know, we're driven by, you know, climate and culture of, of, of people all over the world as they, you know, built the first home. You know, people realize that, you know, we provide a shading element out front. We're going to, our, our, our house will stay cooler. Um, you know, if we have big open, you know, areas, we can drive more natural light into our, into our, into our homes. Uh, and so we use, you know, in terms of external shading, you can use a vertical shaded element on your east and west face. Uh, and we employ those as ways to um, shade the interior of the structure from low sun, right? And, and because they're in front of a window, we put them on tracks. So you can move the screen back and forth depending on the time of day. And then on the south face, you want to have a horizontal screen. So something above your window because the sun is high. And again, employs that same strategy of preventing, you know, too much heat gain into, into your structure. Um, and then as we plan further, we look at systems. So we look at how, what's an efficient system to heat water. So we use central boilers, you know, versus then individual water tanks, which use more, um, tend to use more energy. Uh, and they're also tend to be electric versus gas. Um, which provides a more efficient system. Um, and then we, you know, look at the building envelope. So we want to make it uh, airtight, right? So air leakage is, is, is a big form of energy wasting. So because every time you, you 
bring fresh air into your home. If you're having to bring in more fresh air, you're having to heat that air. And if it escapes quickly, you're losing energy that way. Um, and then there are certain things you can do, like um, planning on using low flow fixtures, you know, at, at, at your toilet and your sinks. And, and again, you're, the, the concept is you're, you're heating less energy as you're using less water. And so you're saving energy that way and, and you're saving water, which in itself is a sustainable concept. Um, and those are just some of the preliminary. I mean, there's, there, there's other methods then that, that people look to and have heard more like introducing solar panels. Um, or in some areas, you can do geothermal, which is, you know, using um, the, the even temperature of, of the earth to, to drive uh, either uh, promote cooling or heating within your structure. But those tend to be more um, expensive and involved. So really looking to just reduce the amount of energy you use is really the primary strategy of, of a sound, sustainable building. No, that seems like it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I think that it's it's so fascinating because when I think of sustainable architecture, like when I asked you that question, I was expecting you to be like, we only use wood that came from whatever, like like yeah, the actual right. materials, you know, you don't think sure. about all the other things that you have to think about and um, aspects, which so I think it's funny that like I, I was like, wow, there's so much that goes into the planning even that I would have never Totally. <laughs> and, and I think, I think, you know, res, you know, using recycled material, um, using, uh, drought tolerant planting. I mean, it, it really, it's, again, all those help to contribute to kind of the overall energy use and just in, or, you know, in different ways. Sure. Um, and so in some cases, some things work really well or a natural fit to your building. And, and in some cases they aren't. Um, and, and of course, because we're developers too, we always have to, you know, unfortunately the, you know, the, the, the price of anything we introduce has to be, we have to, you know, consider it. Um, sure. but, but I think, you know, the more and more the, the industry adopts sustainable practices, um, the easier or, or more natural that becomes to introduce. Well, and I guess that's kind of my next question is, have you seen, I guess, even in the last five years, do you think that more people that are looking to build something are thinking sustainably, like they want that approach? Do you, have you seen a change in that, in that climate of just even wanting this forward thinking type sure. of building? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I, you know, when I went to architecture school, sustainability or sustainable design, a green building design was like coming out of you know it had already had quite a bit of uh, legs coming out of the center of the uh, 70s so the the oil crisis right where people started to um the you know the government stepped in and said okay we gotta we gotta introduce more stringent energy codes people have to be more insulated uh, we gotta you know reduce our reliance on you know at that point was kind of you know foreign oil um, but I, I think those concepts caught on, um, and, and, and they became vogue, um, as like a feature just, you know, we designed sustainably and now you can, you know, you can use recycled countertops and, you know, we have solar panels on the roof. Um, and so I think originally when I started, you know, 
learning about design and actually working it into projects, it, it was kind of a feature. People would ask, you do, do you do sustainable design? Do you, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we can we do that. <laughs> but in, I, I would say for sure over the past 10 years, like it's now, you know, it's a moral issue, really. I mean, at, at some point we have to look at what's, what we're seeing, the rapid, um, you know, the rapid nature of climate change and it's red alarms all over the place. So I think, you know, it's become something fun and interesting to something that's vital and critical um, to what we do. And I, I think you've seen, you know, for instance, Washington State has, has been, I think, proactive with setting long-term goals and reducing energy use and, and, and so codifying it, right? So making it, you know, this isn't no longer a choice or feature. It's, it's a base requirement. It's the, you know, um, it, they have a 2030 challenge basically where they're trying to incrementally change the code so that we can reduce any, any new buildings you know, commercial or residential in, in Washington, reduce the energy, their net energy reduction is 70% from what was established in the 2006 energy code. And so every few years, they, 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 they make things a little, uh, it needs to be a little more insulated. Um, you know, the, the air, the envelope of the building has to get a little bit tighter. And so they understood that, you know, you can't just day one, you know, introduce the most stringent code, you have to, you have to incrementally introduce it and, and allow the industry to catch up, um, to understand that, okay, this is where we're going to have to be. So year over year, we're going to have to improve our projects. We're going to have to improve our techniques. We're going to have to, um, understand more about how to design a sustainable building and implement it. Um, and so I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, Climate change is extremely scary now. And so <laughs> I think people have to, you know, we, we, you know if everybody um, considers it, and unfortunately it got to that point where it's more of a point of, of, of fear and a moral issue. But I, you know, sure. I, I think that um, by designing sustainably, we can help at least um, try to be a solution to the problem. So. I think it's funny, you know, I've done a few episodes on all different topics, but, um, you know, I'm a graphic designer and, and I always think that it's funny when things happen. And, um, like we were talking about minimalism in one episode and I was like, minimalism is like a design trend. It's not like, but it, right. I mean, in, in real life, it's like a philosophy, but in the culture, it's a design trend. Like sure. yeah. minimalism is white walls and low furniture and whatever. Right. Right. But it's not that. That's the same thing with sustainability. So I think it's funny that in architecture, it started as like this this design trend of like, sure. you have these beautiful things and these blue water features and these right. things that look natural. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, totally. But it's interesting that like, and it's nice to know that people are doing stuff and I think kind of out of necessity, but I think there is also kind of a yearning to want to change. And some of that mm -hmm. is going ground up. And I've always kind of been like a grass moot movement kind of girl myself so sure. I or grassroots that's what I was yeah. trying to say <laughs> no I've got you, I got you. Um, like I've always just appreciated kind of kind of the people that are rising that stuff up and I think it's really awesome that that people are moving that direction totally and I I think you know the other component of sustainability that we see a lot wrapped into it um is 
you know, just the general improvement of health, right? So one of one of the programs um, uh, we, you know, the, our buildings go go for certifications, uh, uh, or at least our last few projects we've we've opted to um, uh, certify it through LEAD, which is leadership in energy and environmental design. And it's a, it's a, it's a entity that, that basically subscribes rules and, 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 um, uh, you know, promotes different levels of, of, uh, attaining certification. Um, so there's a certified and a silver certified and a gold, and then the platinum is, you know, the best. Um, and we've done two gold projects and, 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 it, and one of their, some of their criteria is not, has to do, a lot of it has to do with this sustainable design in, in, in regards to reducing energy use, but it's also just improving um, the comfort level and uh, the air quality level uh, is a big part of it. And that has to do with, I, I, you know, you're using... Um, you're reducing the VOC content of the paints and the sealants and the caulking. You're you're including a higher level of filters on on the on the fresh air or or HVAC systems in your property. And that 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 is less to do with energy and more to do with just the the creating a healthy environment for the occupants of whatever building, whether it's an office or an apartment. Um, and uh, I think when we talk about trends, you know, so a push towards healthy living, um, you know, especially with um, uh, uh, more people being active, um, uh, push towards organic food. I think like living in a place where you feel like you're breathing air that's, that's clean and healthy and good for you and, and, and not having a negative effect on your overall health. Um, can also be part of this, I guess, green building or sure. sustainable trend. Um, and so I think for that, it dovetails, you know, just with what you're talking about there as well. Yeah, for sure. So if just a, this is probably a silly question, but if I was looking at an apartment and I'm a very sustainably forward person, how do I know that something is built sustainably? Like, I'm just thinking in my in my graphic design head, like there's like a recycle symbol when something's recycled. You know what I mean? Like, is there something that represents like this building was built sustainably? Yeah. I mean, I, the one thing we always do is we, you know, we put our, the sustainable nature of our buildings, like on our sleeve. Like we, we have a flyer. We say, here, here's all the features of our building that, 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 promote sustainable uh, design or building or living, you know? So we talk about low flow plumbing fixtures, right? Um, we talk about LED lighting. Um, we, we talk about uh, the higher insulation value. Um, we talk about energy star appliances. Um, you know, it's, and I think if you're, you know, so there's some simple stuff you could say, okay, look at your fridge, is it energy star? Look at your light, is it LED or is it a fluorescent? I mean, some of those are really easy to check yourself, but I think it's okay to say, hey, I'm 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 looking to live in a in a sustainable environment and I'm looking to um, you know, 
be a part of a building that that'll promote my health you know what tell me about your sustainable features like what 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 am i looking at here what am i doing so um yeah I, that's I, awesome yeah so I think that um, that's uh, love, like the way that buildings are going and kind of what you're doing in the multifamily space, especially. Um, but I know that we kind of talked about how, how do you do this in a residential, like single family environment? Like I, right now, I live in a house that was built in 1977, I think. And uh, we moved in a year ago and I've done nothing to help or hurt this house. <laughs> Um, but like, what are, what are some things that people like me can do to up my sustainable footprint or use less energy? Yeah, totally. So I, it, it's funny because, uh, I mean, again, I you can definitely go out, get solar panels, and put them on the roof. I think they're becoming more readily available, um, and you could you could plug it into your panel. But really, you're and that's cool. If you, if that's something you want to, you want to do totally go for it. But really a lot of the things that have kind of the greatest impact tend to be simple stuff and not very sexy, but that's okay. So, you know, sealing around all the windows, making sure you have well insulated windows, right? If your windows are aluminum, you know, find something that has a, has a higher, um, insulative value. Um, you can, uh, again, look at your lighting. That tends to be something that can easily change. There's a lot more options with LED bulbs, fluorescent bulbs. You can get full-on LED fixtures. Um, appliances, when you get the opportunity, look at your appliances. If they aren't, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, are required now to, this is how much energy we use. And you can, you know, compare across a wide variety. And again, you could just make it easy and get an energy star uh, refrigerator, um, you know, more efficient, um, washer dryers, uh, and then like low flow toilets. You would be amazed like old toilets use, you know, five times as much water as, you know, low flow ones. And you just look at, I mean, things like that, you know, it's, it's not only sustainable, you'll see it. I mean, immediately on your utility bills. I mean, there's like an apparent saving. So even if you weren't, didn't have a strong, I don't know, belief, if that's even a thing in <laughs> sustainable design, you, it would just make strong financial sense to make these improvements, right? Um, For sure. Just as just cost saving measures. Um, you know, and then I, I think sometimes like even, Easier things are, you know, if it's, if you catch, if it's a little cold, you know, put on a sweater. <laughs> if it's <laughs> hot, try opening windows before you fire up the AC. I, I mean, like, that sounds really stupid, simple, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, that stuff kind of adds up too, you know, your windows sure. open, your, you know, you got an extra sweater in your, you know, in your drawer. And I mean, you should, you shouldn't be sitting there feeling frigid at, at all costs, but I mean, there's other ways to improve your, your um, environmental conditions, I guess, you know, to make yourself feel more comfortable. And so just being thoughtful and conscious, like turn out the lights when you go out. I mean, this is more like I sound like your mom, but this is, <laughs> this is, you know, it all kind of contributes to the underlying goal of using less energy, I think. 
I was just going to say that actually, because I grew up uh, when uh, with kind of a colder house mentality, my my <laughs> mom would never really turn up the heat and I would complain about being cold. And she's like, you're wearing a shorts and T-shirt and it's December. It was right. Phoenix. Right. It was Phoenix. But still, she's like, go put clothes on. Like, yep, what do you yep. want for me? Totally. So you're saying she was right all those years. Darn I'm it. just saying. Just kidding. She was- <laughs> She was green building originator at that. To be yeah. fair, I also do the same thing now. Our house is usually on the cooler side. But if I have people come over, I usually don't try to yep. make them wear their parkas in my house. So Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. But yeah. I think and I think even attitudes of, you know, if you can, I mean, not everybody can because they're not in proximity. But if you can, use public transportation. If you can, bike. If you can, walk. Um, you know, I... I you know, I think more, I mean, that's why more people moving to the city, it, I mean, it creates different sets of problems, but for sustainability, if we, if we, if we plan accordingly and plan our cities, we're actually begin to reduce the amount of, you know, the, those, you know, carbon emission from cars for sure. You know, we'll do, I mean, just as an aside, you know, we will do uh, a 32 unit apartment building you know, we'll only include 16 parking stalls. And when we lease it up, we'll only lease out nine, 10. Um, and that's just because people, less people have cars now. And that's sure good for the environment. I mean, that's just good. And it's less expensive for them. So it's just one of those things where it's like, why would I pay for a car in a space where I can use alternate ways to get to work? And then you know, work it out on the weekends if I want to go skiing or some other thing. Uh, And And it's also, it's also good for you too, because you're walking and exercising or biking or whatever. So it goes back to that mixture. Yeah. You're getting (laughs) your steps in, right? You got to get your steps in. So that's right. What do you think about like plant life? Cause I've read a little bit and I don't know that much about it, but I do from like an air quality perspective or whatever. Do you guys really do when you're thinking about architecture, do you think about landscape? I know you talked about like drought resistance, but aren't there certain plants too that help like your air quality or do you think about any of that kind of stuff or if people can garden or any of that? Totally. I, I, I think as much, I mean, just as a, as a pleasant way to live, uh, having as much green around you as possible, uh, is good for the soul. Um, I, I, you know, more trees are better. I mean, from that aspect, you're going to, you're going to help promote, um, uh, you know, filtering that, that, that that carbon out of the air. But the, I think the, um, you know, whether there's actual plant types that would promote that greater, I, that, I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I know less about that for sure. Something for you to research. Just so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into it right now and see if I can figure out something. But uh, but definitely drought tolerant is what we look at, and it's again because you want to establish that green with the least amount of water possible. Yeah, so, no, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Well, you guys have a lot of rain in Seattle. Do you really need to think about drought resistant things? You'd be surprised. <laughs> we get a little, we got we got a sunny day last year. I think there was one. So. <laughs> I think that's such a lie, by the way. I've been to Seattle at least twice, <laughs> yeah. and it's always been beautiful every time I've been there. Hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> not not so great secret anymore, I guess. But yeah. I know, right? That's yeah. how you keep people away. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> okay, so um, are there some, and I know you talked a little bit about solar panels and things like that, but are there some like in the wind versus sun battle or other ways to have alternative energy? Do you know is one better than the other? Should it depend on where you live? Like what are your kind of broad thoughts on that? I think it totally depends. So on a on a larger scale, so kind of mass-produced sustainable energy, it definitely depends on where you live. So here in eastern Washington, there's quite a few wind farms, right? Um, and those are, those are, you know, on big open tracts of land where they generally get more wind. They're by the uh, Columbia River, so they get a lot of natural, um, yeah, just, a, you know, a constant blowing of wind that can help generate that, that energy. And so that's pretty... Um, location specific. Um, a lot of the electrical energy we get in Washington comes from hydro, and that's just again because we're we're uh, uh, our snowpack and rivers and dams, um, and so that tends to be um, less and you know well that that it's way way less impactful on on climate and climate change and and to a certain degree the environment generally. Um, but again, that's just, you know, we're located by a lot of great sources of hydro. Um, I think you're seeing more um, desert climates. Uh, they're starting to build solar farms. So obviously we're, they get little to no cloud cover. They're going to they're gonna have a, a, an easier time or it's a more natural fit to use solar panels to drive uh, sustainable uh, or uh, clean energy in those, in those locations. And then there's some, you you know, nothing around here, but you read about uh, uh, like tide, you know, the rising tide and or um, um, ways to, you know, of the seawater that can actually begin to, to drive clean energy, um, and, you know. And then, but there's some places that don't have access to any of that. And so you tend to use, burn a lot of coal, <laughs> You know, uh, you know, trying to figure, trying to figure out those other locations that are just generally more coal dependent because they don't have a lot of options at their disposal is one of the tougher problems. Um, um, but that's, you know, and there's not a lot you can do at the individual level about that um, other than, you know, encourage your congressman to, you know, codify, <laughs> you know or introduce um, different ways to drive more clean energy to your location, I would say is probably the only way. So I know in Arizona, when I lived there, um, there were certain times that electric companies, especially would say, if you ran your appliances or did your laundry at this time, it would cost less to... Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. But, but that I don't think that that's everywhere because in Kansas City, I've never heard of it. Not that it doesn't exist somewhere, but um, at least where I live, that, that's not a thing that I know of. But what is the like thought process? Like, why does it cost less during those hours? Do you know? Or like, what is that incentive? Yeah. So what it is, is Arizona is a great example. So it it has to do with the, the ener energy demand, right? So energy is... Uh, electrical energy is like tough, tough to store, right? And so when it when it when it gets it generates for the highest demand possible. So during the day in Arizona, 
everybody has their AC cranked, right? And so there's a ton of energy being outputted at that time. And so what they're saying is we want to reduce the amount of peak energy during the day to the greatest degree possible. Otherwise, we got to keep building more coal plants. Um, so if you know we're going to make it cheaper to get energy during the off hours to encourage people to do other things that they don't have to do during the day um, at that time. So it's it's like a financial incentive, and for um, for them, it's you know they if they can build one less coal plant um, to supply <laughs> energy, it's 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 worth it, and that's where a lot of energy rebates come from right they're sure. they're doing that because they want to spend less money building more power plants um so they don't have to, <laughs> to satisfy that peak energy demand so in kansas city where maybe the ac load during the day is not as much um, right there isn't that um natural incentive you know because we don't have it here either right because our our you know our hydro you know our our water's flowing 24 hours a day, right? So it has a steady stream of electrical that that pumps through. Now, they'll want to stay, they do provide rebates and other, you know, if you introduce other energy saving measures, either in your commercial buildings or in your home, um, they'll provide rebates because again, if, if, you know, as population grows and densifies, they have to figure out, okay, where are we going to get more energy? So they still want to reduce the amount of energy use. Um, but yeah, it's, it's areas like that where, and I think it tends to be, and I could be wrong about this, but I think it tends to be areas where there's a heavy reliance on air conditioning for, uh, personal homes, obviously, as well as, uh, as commercial buildings. From a sustainable perspective though, does it make a difference? Like, do you, do you think that no matter where you live, should, should I be doing my laundry at midnight versus at 2 PM? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, is there I, a difference? For sure. Well, I, I think there is, if there's a financial incentive, um, you know, you'll know that, okay, they, they have no problem generating the amount of energy you need to do it at that time. Right. Because they want it. And so you should accept that both as, as a way to help reduce the amount of, um, energy output that they're going to produce and hence like burn less coal or, uh, and also you, you gain the, the, you know, you get to do it for less, which is, you know, again, kind of the, the, the two can be tied together. That's okay. It doesn't all have to be altruistic. Sure. <laughs> it can be financially motivated. So yeah, I would accept that. But if you are in a different location, it's, you know, like here, it wouldn't, it, it, I don't think it much matters. And I, 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 but I do think if your energy company gives you guidance, um, then you should follow said guidance because that would, you know, again, it just dovetails with um, the ability of, of, of saving less energy and henceforth being more sustainable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, awesome. So um, we talked a little bit about, you know, if you're in an apartment, I think a lot of the things that you talked about, even with just... <laughs> turning the lights on or off, but also looking when you're first looking to rent somewhere, like looking for these things that are sustainable and asking questions. Are there any other things? Cause obviously if I move into an apartment, I can't change out the windows. <laughs> so sure, are there right. other, other, uh, or my appliances usually. So are there other ways that 
I can still be green and, you know, walking and stuff like that. It's all great. But are there other ways if I didn't pick a sustainable apartment? Am I doomed to just have a giant carbon footprint? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you are definitely um, hamstrung a bit, but uh, you, I mean, again, just be conscious with, you know, you can usually change out your own light bulbs, or if you can't, then you have an LED fixture, and congratulations, you have a sustainable apartment. But the, um, you know, changing out the incandescence for a more energy efficient bulb is something you can you can do. Um, you know, participate, you know, encourage your landlord if they don't already do it, recycle and compost and then pr participate responsibly in that program. Um, you know, again, like, again, kind of mom stuff, you know, wear a sweater <laughs> if you get cold, open a window <laughs> if you get hot, um, you know, don't run your AC all day. Um, I mean, it, it, you're kind of left to those, you know, typical devices. Sure. Of, you know, uh, you know, using like lighting. I mean, one is, is, is using a lamp to read and leave all the other lights off. Right. So controlling, you know, having really pointed lighting use and hence energy use, um, is, is, is a way, but yeah, I mean, you're, when you're renting, you don't, you know, you don't have a lot of choices at your disposal. I mean, I, I guess in the end, in a perfect world, we could all kind of vote with our pocketbook, i.e. like, you know, say we're, we're going to only stay in sustainable apartments, but that's just not reality and people have other financial considerations. And um, But let's say you have a toss-up. Yeah, I mean, go to the sustainable one, you know? For sure, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess so. Well, and there's other ways. I mean, like a lot of the other stuff we talk about is like zero waste living and yeah. uh, container gardening. So there's other ways, I think. And that's kind of the, the whole journey of sustainability is you kind of pick your lane that you can do. And so, so no, <laughs> I don't actually think you're doomed. I just. <laughs> it totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, then it gets to stuff that's definitely more out of the purview of of wherever you live particularly and just more about your lifestyle, you know, sure. the choices you make during your lifestyle, which is kind of what you're left with. Yeah. So if I'm looking for somewhere to really start this research on how to make my house more sustainable, are there certain specific places that you'd recommend like websites? Um, is there, is, you know, is there kind of like a good resource that you know of? Uh, honestly, there's, there's like a, I mean, it, this isn't, this is maybe really obvious advice, but just, you know, <laughs> Google, you know, sustainable living or green design and you'll get, you know, four search pages full of all tremendous resources. Um, because I also think that it's, you, you typically want to find something that suits, you know, your, your nature, your situation. And I guarantee, you know, like, sustainable living in a Denver apartment in a, you know, on the basement <laughs> floor. And there's probably like eight different choices, you know, I, I think, <laughs> so I, I mean, I, you know, if you want to, you know, I think that's a, a fine way because of how much, um, because of how much information there is out there and it, it all tends to be great information. Um, so I well, and no, I guess I, I guess my it. other my other question is kind of the the initial point of, 
you know, sure, some people say they do sustainability, but it's kind of that like look and feel. I still think that those kind of exist out there. So how do I know, like if I'm looking to replace my windows, like how do I actually know that someone's going to be able to give me sustainable solutions if I'm looking for someone? Like is there, I know that you mentioned like lead, but are there other kind of qualifiers or associations that people might belong to that might help me know that I'm getting a legit thing? <laughs> yeah, I think Green Builders Association would be great. Um, uh, you know, I think going on to the lead L E E D what us green building council is, is affiliated with that. It's all kind of all tied in and, and they'll give you a lot of resources. Um, you know, I think depending on your particular state or city, usually there's governmental resources. So, you know, searching with your energy company, often they're promoting, you know, um, you know, what to look for on appliance labels or what to look for on window labels, kind of what, what, uh, what should be the U value of a window, which is like the insulative um, value of a window, or what should be the R value of an actual piece of insulation that you'd put on a wall, which is like the inverse of the U value. And, you know, you can get lost in that because I agree. I mean, it's kind of like saying something's, you know, natural. It doesn't right. really mean a whole lot or cannot mean a whole lot. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to get specific. And, like, for some reason, the, the building industry is somewhat inefficient with its resources. So there's a <laughs> lot of it, and it's all over the place. Um, so you have to hunt and peck a bit. But I always think, like, starting with organizational, you know, again, organizations, whether it be governmental or otherwise, that – uh, have um, uh, a stake in creating a more sustainable environment is always a pretty reliable source for that kind of stuff. So, Great. And what if someone wanted to reach out to you because they had questions specific to what you do or sure. maybe they build multifamily things and would love to pick your brain? Where, where can people find you? Uh, so you, if you just search Revolve Development, um, we have a really – um, uh, I don't know. I think it's cool. Cool website. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, highlights our projects, uh, what we do. Um, you can, um, you, you can see, I mean, I, I think one of the end things is sustainable can be really beautiful and high design. And I, I'm pretty proud of the projects we do. Um, so you can, you can go there and then, you know, just, I'm, I'm right there in the contact and you can, you know, email me. Um, uh, you know, if you have any questions or, uh, you have any thoughts or whatever, I'm, I'm always open to that. So, <laughs> well, this has been so great. I think that you've given us a lot of helpful information. Um, thank you again so much for, for joining me. This was fun. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.